Chapter 7. Dance of the Dead Sokka doesn't really know what to make of Zuko. Stripped back of all of his shouting about honor and flashy flames, Prince Jerkbender of the Jerkbending Nation is just... another teenager. A particularly cranky, snarly pyromaniac of a teenager who plays with sharp things in his spare time and can kick Sokka's ass with his little finger. Not that Sokka's ever going to admit to that, but still, a teenager like Sokka. Said Prince Jerkbender also apparently has a soft spot for furry animals. Who would have guessed that? The conversation skills of a saber-toothed lion cat, that is to say, none, laughs at Sokka's jokes as much as he tries not to, and suffers from an extreme case of guilt and self-denial. All in all, it paints a pretty confusing portrait. It's been at least a couple of hours based on the moon's position in the sky, and Zuko's not tried to maim, flame, or capture any one of them yet. So Sokka's cautiously optimistic that they'll make it to land and drop off their new passenger without any significant fire hazards arising. Still, he can't resist poking the firebender every once in a while on the flight. Zuko's way too easy to rile up. After all, Sokka's a strategist at heart, and that means exploring how his enemy thinks and acts. How'd you even get in the spirit oasis anyway? Sokka wrinkles his nose at the jerkbender. Agna Quella is supposed to be impenetrable, and the spirit oasis even more so. How'd you even know the way? Sokka doesn't know how anyone could manage to look defiant and defensive at once, but Zuko pulls it off brilliantly. I got in through the underwater aqueducts. Through the underwater aqueducts? Zuko scowls at him. Sokka notes with vague alarm that he's getting used to the scowl. That's what I just said. The waters are under freezing temperatures at this time of year, Katara says. Zuko just shrugs like a nonverbal so. Like he could just will away the murderous cold water through his trademark reckless stupidity alone. And well, he's a firebender, so maybe he can. Sokka doesn't care. He doesn't, but... How'd you even find your way around? Sokka racks his brain, remembering the little sketches he's seen of Agnaquella's underwater network. The aqueducts are basically a massive labyrinth. It wasn't like Zuko could have had a map. I followed a dole of turtle seals to right under the ice. Zuko answers. When I got into the tunnels, it was simple enough to find a suitable place to heat and break through. Sokka stares at him. Zuko apparently notices the silence has been going on for a little too long, and finally lifts his head. Three sets of stunned eyes look back at him, but for some reason or other, Zuko looks at Sokka first. Zuko, Sokka says slowly, his eyebrows climbing. Do you know how long turtle seals can hold their breath? Zuko goes from confused to combative in a heartbeat. Yeah, so? Forty minutes, Zuko. It worked, didn't it? Forty spirits cursed minutes! Sokka emphasizes each word. It worked. Great spirits. Sokka hopes Zuko's apparent lack of self-preservation aren't contagious. Aang shouldn't pick up that kind of influence. He adds, definitely masochistic and probably subconsciously suicidal, to the list of things he's tallying about Zuko. Honestly, I have no idea how you've managed to survive this long. Sokka shook his head. How in Twi and La's name are you still alive? He's startled by the harsh chuckle Zuko lets out. It's a grim sound, devoid of true amusement. Honestly, sometimes I don't know either. The expression on Zuko's face is a weird one, as if he's unused to smiling and trying to remember how. 
Sokka abruptly realizes that he's seen Prince Jerkbender's face twist in rage or confusion plenty of times, but never, not once, has he seen the guy smile, not even a victorious smirk. That's an unsettling thought. It takes two full nights for them to even be approaching land, and the entire time, Sokka keeps noticing things he doesn't particularly want to notice about their royal, temporarily not-mortal enemy. Zuko has strange eyes, Sokka notices idly, as you do when you're bored out of your mind and stuck in a very surreal situation atop a supposedly extinct animal with your baby sister, the supposedly long-gone avatar, and his mortal enemy. All his life he's viewed Fire Nation yellow eyes as a threat, but Zuko's were a specific shade Sokka's certain he's never seen before. He only realizes he's been staring when Zuko fixes his eyes on Aang, and asks out of the blue, Why the frogs? Sokka blinks at him, utterly bewildered, because that was probably the least sensible thing he's heard all day slash night, and after all they had been through that day slash night, that was saying something. But Aang answers Zuko like he makes sense, which he never does. They have medicinal properties, Aang explains. Zuko doesn't look like he understands what that has to do with anything yet, so Aang continues. Sokka and Katara were sick, so I was trying to find the frogs to use as a medicine to help them recover. Of course you were, Zuko exhales. My life is a little less ridiculous now, thank you. Sokka looks between the two of them, and decides this is one tidbit he can afford not knowing about. Sokka's never been particularly trusting. That is Katara, and that is also Aang, well matched to each other in that sense. So even as the atmosphere between the four of them begins to relax, Sokka's still guarded and wary. Thanks in large to Prince Jerkbender here, Sokka has grown used to the half-sleep of the threatens. Every sense has been trained hard to drag him out of slumber to respond to anything strange. It's a pathetic form of rest, but if it saves their lives, or Aang from capture, then it's a skill Sokka's more than happy to cultivate. Now something drags him from the deepest pit of unconsciousness and leaves him awake and tense, and he's fairly sure it has something to do with Zuko. Prince Jerkbender is awake too, but he's not looking at Sokka. He's looking upwards at the sky. When Sokka tried to probe, Zuko's thoughts have dissipated to become the mental equivalent of exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's kind of endearing, and Sokka has to shut this down, because that is no way to be thinking about an enemy. Or Sokka glances up and falls to silence himself. It seems the spirits have one last surprise for them. The entire sky is lit up in an explosion of color. Swirls of purple and blue and green dance its way through the dark sky, and a radiance no fire can hope to imitate. Sokka's only seen the northern lights once, back when his wolf tail had been just a little floof, back before four had numbered three. Back then, Mom's hand was a warm pressure in his hands, the other in Katara's. Something begins to sit heavy in Sokka's chest, so much that it's hard to breathe. From the corner of his eyes, Zuko glances at him, probably hearing how Sokka's thoughts have suddenly plummeted into dark depths. Sokka ignores him, because he's not in the mood to entertain the prince of the nation who had taken away his mother. He reaches out for Katara instead. His baby sister needs him. Katara's shaking like a newly born baby otter cat, her lip trembling. Aang's abandoned his steering of Appa again, and is hovering close, 
though he looks at a loss for whatever is affecting her so strongly. Are you two okay? Aang asks, seeing Sokka's expression. The poor kid looks confused. Is, is it something about the spirit lights? Sokka shakes his head as he envelops Katara in his arms. Her slender fingers are clutching at Mom's necklace around her neck, a poor imitation of the touch that they're both seeking. Together, they look up at the illuminated sky. The last time they had seen the northern lights, Kaya had still been alive. Kaya? The Prince of the Ashmakers asks uncertainly. Don't you dare say her name! Sokka hisses. He glares at Zuko, hating the accented way the two syllables fall from the firebender's lips. Hating that Zuko can hear his thoughts right then, just another invasion the Fire Nation has committed upon their tribe and upon Sokka. Much of his charitable feelings have dissipated away, like water through his fingers. Zuko is the prince of the Fire Nation, a nation of ash-makers and family destroyers, and his mother's killer. And he is the enemy, and they can never forget that. Sokka? Aang asked tentatively. Mom used to take us to see the spirit lights every year, Sokka tells Aang, until I was eight. And then the Fire Nation, he spits out, came to raid our village. Aang's eyes widen in understanding, then cloud in grief. She, Katara's voice cracks, a single tear slips down her cheek. She said that this is when the veil between the spirits and the human world was at its thinnest and the lights were our loved ones dancing across the sky. His baby sister blinks firmly, mouth in a firm line. She was gone by the next light. I'm so sorry. Zuko's voice rasps through the silence. The three of them freeze. The fucking jerkbender prince of the murderous Fire Nation shifts to sit in Siza and bows low from his waist towards them. I'm so, so sorry, Zuko repeats. Sokka and Katara of the Water Tribe, I, Prince Zuko of the Fire Nation, formally apologize for the destruction and grief my nation has wrought upon your family. He shifts and bows again, towards Aang, and all Sokka's functioning limbs and scathing words come to a screeching halt. Zuko's voice shakes a little, but it doesn't break. Aang of the Air Nomads, I formally apologize for the destruction and annihilation of your people. It was done without honor, and... There is no excuse for our conduct. Zuko's manner is similar to the stiff, proper apology Sokka had heard him issue earlier. Must be a Fire Nation thing, Sokka thinks vaguely, because it's a lot easier and safer to be analytical right now than to allow himself to feel these emotions he's feeling. Apologies don't bring back the dead, Sokka bites out, because what else can he say? I know, Zuko says, and Sokka's about to snap but the next words stop him dead. I lost my mother, too. His golden eyes, strangely beautiful in the backdrop of the colorful aurora, are glistening. Sokka realizes distantly that he's never seen Zuko look as he does right now, all lines of anger and rage wiped clean away. It's enough that even with the massive scarring, Zuko looks almost... guileless, gentle and earnest in a way Sokka would have never equated to him. That thought crumbles away like so much ash. Anger churns, low and hot. Yet Sokka can't even direct it towards this figure sitting so solemnly across from them. Because while everything in Sokka demands Zuko be the villain, to fit in this little narrative he's crafted for himself, 
He's rational enough to recognize that Zuko's stricken features are far too young to be claiming all of his nation's cruelty on his barely grown shoulders. To hate him is like hating Yue, for the decisions of her forefathers in separating the South and North Water Tribe resources, or hating Dad for having to go to war. Sokka's searching those golden eyes for any hint of trickery or mocking, but he can feel Zuko's horror clearly, his thoughts coming clearly through their mental link. We did this. There's a strange echo of churning that's not from Sokka's own gut, and more so, an even stranger mix of guilt and grief that makes his eyes prick with heat despite the cool night air. They don't talk much after that. Zuko's temporary truce with the Avatar was a really bad plan, in hindsight. They drop Zuko off the moment they reach land. So, we're just going to pretend that the last couple of hours didn't happen? Sokka asks. Zuko doesn't answer. Why should he? Sokka can see into his head. Aang's eyes find his. So, what are you planning to do after this? Planning to do? Zuko doesn't know. He's never had a sensible plan his entire life. When do plans ever go right anyway? He could give the Avatar and his companions a head start while he finds and regroups with Uncle, then begin the chase again. But then he shouldn't have traveled away from the North in the first place. Riding with the Avatar was, probably, not one of Zuko's best moves. Still better than challenging the general in the war room all those years ago. He could set up camp and think about his place in the universe. Sokka snorts. Zuko glares. But that might bring further questions Zuko doesn't want to think about too hard. Zuko tells them it's the first option, because that's what is expected of him, what's needed for him to regain his honor. Aang looks disappointed of all things, rather than scared or pissed off as he should be. He's aware of Sokka's eyes lingering on him. He meets that ocean blue gaze head-on. Weirdly, Sokka has a look about him right then that reminds him of Uncle Iroh, that strange mixture of sad and hopeful, like he's patiently waiting for something to happen. What? Zuko snaps, defensive though he doesn't quite know why. Something on my face? Sokka's lips twitch up, even as his eyebrows do something funny, like he's horrified Zuko would say such a thing. Uh, nothing, he replies, clearly lying through his teeth. I'm just trying to figure you out. Zuko frowns at him. There's nothing to figure out. You're literally in my head. Unfortunately, the sentiment is mutual. Okay, Aang says loudly, as per what Zuko is starting to expect as his tendency to be the peacemaker in the team. Time to go. It's been nice getting to know you, Zuko. How does he manage to say that with a straight face? Or does he really mean every word? Zuko doesn't know but he's finding it increasingly hard to imagine bringing his father the Avatar, now that he knows it's this frankly sweet kid before him, who's almost too good to be real. He's just a kid. Zuko's mind whispers. And now he knows for sure that both Water Tribe siblings are fiercely loyal and likely to die before letting him get through them. If it came to getting through them to get the Avatar, Zuko's not sure what he can do, in more ways than one. It had been so much easier when Aang and his friends had been an annoying obstacle in his way to regaining his honor in his home, rather than children with names and their own quiet grief. Now Zuko can no longer ignore the shreds of doubt that have clawed its way up from where he shoved it away. Weak. I've always been weak like father says I am. Zuko doesn't know how he's going to face them again, and treat them only as an enemy. 
He's not sure he has it in him. I'm so screwed. The Water Tribe boy has a solemn expression on his face that Zuko can't decipher. You know, having good inside of you isn't enough, Sokka says nonsensically, sounding very much like Iroh. It's got to be let outside of you, too. Zuko must be subconsciously missing his uncle, if he's starting to compare this Water Tribe boy to uncle. What are you talking about? Sokka just shakes his head and hops on the saddle. If you haven't gotten it yet, you're not going to get it now, he says. Bye, Prince Jerkbender. Hope to never see you again, I guess. Zuko opens his mouth, but his response gets lost in Appa's mighty groan as the sky bison takes off. Yes, Zuko did get to pet it. At least there is that. <laughs>